you want to do an intro? Yeah. I was just going to shout, Mortal Engines! (laughs) (laughs) So guys, Mortal Engines... It's Wait, a um This is Mortal Kombat. What? It's not Mortal Kombat. Have you seen the trailer for the new Mortal Kombat? <laughs> oh, it looks so good. I have. I, I wanted have to ask you, Tobro, why did you choose this film? And is it because the Mortal Kombat trailer came out and you were like, oh yeah, yeah. It's a very good question <laughs> because I, I would not have um I would not have watched this film otherwise, to be honest. I, I had no idea about this film. If <laughs> I'll tell you why. <laughs> Because because I watched, you know, sometimes I just watch random trailers yeah. on YouTube, and this one came up, right? Mm-hmm. And I had not read the books or anything, and I said, "Wow!" Like, if you watch the trailer and you don't like see the film, you're like, "That's awesome!" London's a moving yeah. city, and the the concept was like pretty amazing to me. And I didn't know anything about the film, or that it was books, or that it lost a you know ton of money at the box office, and and it was a crap. Like one of the it. biggest bombs of all time, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't even know that when I, when I put it up. I just, I just like liked the trailer. I saw it's on Netflix. Yeah. It was on my wish list for like watch list for a long time. I said, oh, I'll just throw this yeah. out there. You know, let's do it. Yeah, like, no, I was just saying it's it's good that you know we're getting so many like different kinds of movies. Like like I said, I would never watch this if you hadn't suggested it. And yeah. because of this podcast, I've watched some really good movies, <laughs> which yeah. I've actually genuinely I... enjoyed. <laughs> I was going to say, are we watching more crap movies than good movies on this podcast? <laughs> the balance. Now that we've moved away from trilogies, you'd think we'd just pick some decent films. Well, so far. <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoyed this film. I think it's going uphill from here. All right. Huh? All right. We'll, we'll talk, we'll, before we get to the film yeah. itself. Yeah. Like, you know, Ryan, yeah. you you do this weekly joke about, oh, isn't it the wrong mortal film? I genuinely almost, what's the wrong mortal film? Because on Netflix, there's... um. Mortal Instruments, City of Bone, <laughs> also starring Robert Sheehan. No way. He, how did he... It's like, how the fuck did this guy do two, like, young adult films with the same bloody name? Well, I think that's how he chooses his script. Like, you know, he, which ones to do? He just I'll just take two from the middle. <laughs> and they both like... From the, like well, that's the other thing, these. because, you know, we obviously know him from um, Umbrella Academy. We know him from... Um, yeah. Uh, not Skin, sorry. Uh, Misfits. Misfits, right? Misfits. He's, he's hilarious, he's sweary, he's funny, he's grown up. And then him playing this kind of young English chappy just seems so out of place. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm getting into I, th- I, th- I think he was the most likable, though, in the film. I thought, I thought, you know, maybe because I like him anyways, but I thought, oh. You know, it was fun to have someone there. Uh, I don't know if I if I well, like him... his character. I, but he is charming, I guess. Mm. Yeah, he him and uh... look about him, doesn't he? Ryan's got a I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I got a man crush on him now. <laughs> Ryan's got a... You know what? Fair, he's he's a fair man to have a crush on. Fair enough. <laughs> right, right. I think the only other person I know in this film is is obviously Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Oh, I am Hugo Weaving. Oh, I, I, lo- <laughs> I like this man. His voice is great, right? man. He's great, but it's it's something sinister about him. He's so him. evil. He's so, so why, evil. Yeah. So why why hold it back? Everyone is like, yeah, he's gonna be evil. You know what I mean? Like there was a whole like 
And he's evil. He played it up we this time. He, he took it so much further. Yeah. He was having so much fun with the role. But, <laughs> but he was also weirdly, he kept reminding me of um, uh, who's the, 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 the Welsh James Bond? I forgot his name now. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. You know Pierce Brosnan's modern day films? It's just Hugo Weaving yeah. in this. <laughs> they even look the same at times. <laughs> Uh, I think he was I mean he's just part of this Lord of the Rings reunion so I mean Peter Jackson is getting this film Mm. made he got his mate to direct it who was I guess special effects dude on Lord of the Rings or something and like a second unit director on Hobbits and and obviously Hugo Weaving is part of that crew as well so they brought him along Um, but yeah I don't know if if, um, this the, the director's made anything significant before. Um, and, I, and I can see that he's a special effects man because the special effects, like the way the city was built and stuff, some of that mm. looked really awesome. The to visuals me. were fantastic. And I yeah, mean, that yeah. brought you into it, the film it. straight away, right? It had, I mean, for mm. me, it had this really like um, an anime look to it straight away. And I thought yeah. it was very clever that they went down that path because the concept is so like ridiculous. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It... What 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 is the concept? Just quickly All right, explain. So it. you're, <laughs> um, there was a was it a forty five minute war or something? There was a sixty minute war that happened, you yeah. know, around now. And this film set about a thousand years in the future. So there's a war that happened yeah. where humanity basically wipes itself out. They say something about tectonic plates crashing or something, um, but uh, we are now one thousand years in the future where they're far technologically in many ways far behind, so they don't seem to have um, you know, screens or anything like that. It's all much more mechanical. And they're in a world where they call it, uh, I forgot the term, something Darwinism, like mechanical Darwinism or something. Um, mm. And they're mm. basically, they're these giant cities that roll around, uh, that these giant cities that have been picked up are on these wheels on these tracks and they roll around and eat other cities, basically. Uh, and we follow the story of London, which has crossed the land bridge over to Europe uh, and is going around eating other cities. And, it, and, it, and it's insane. And even when you look at the visuals, right, because it's like, you can't apply logic to it. What are they eating it for? Do they want yeah. fuel? Do they want, like, the metal? Is there a thing? <laughs> you know, what is the sense of having it? It makes no sense. But because they did it in this, like, like this anime style, like a bit like Attack of the Titan, um maybe a bit like the sort of Ghibli stuff, you know, it puts you into that mm. mindset straight away, right? So you're in these kind of silly bright colours and whatever. Um, so you're up for this kind of steampunky silliness. Um, and it starts with this like amazing visual of London chasing this um, tiny city. And basically the city opens up and it bites, bites the city in. And, mm. that, and I just thought, yeah, yeah, I'm up for it. I'm up for, I'm up for this, you know, steampunk, anime madness yeah yeah i i love that it, it basically it's, it's got a really good world building like you can see that there's different like even social class levels mm. um amongst all across all of the cities there's different cultures the different clothing and it really sort of plays into the immersion of the whole thing mm. so like you by i i bought into the whole premise of it and i absolutely loved it and this is basically Transformers on steroids because yeah. <laughs> the cities like breaking apart immediately. <laughs> like that was so quick. The way everything just like 
shut, shut in amongst themselves and, and all the storefronts just closed. Yeah. Everyone ran back yeah. to the individual cities yeah. and just legged it from there. And you, you got to see the city being devoured from <clears throat> the inside of London as well. And it is ridiculous because you've just basically, like, it's the least efficient way of breaking down anything in the world, right? Giant chainsaws coming down and like, stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. But it just, it, it really works. You know, it is, I think, yeah, I'm not sure if, yeah, the world building is there and I think the visuals are there. Um, you got to see a bit of the class structure. You got to see, um, yeah. and actually it was quite cool just like with London because you got to see things you recognise. So there was St. Paul's and there was Big Ben and some of the buildings looked a bit like sort of modern London buildings. So, mm. I thought there was something that looked like the gherkin on its side and stuff like that. It's quick enough to be, you know, just catch your eye whilst being like silly and mad. Mm. In that in that um, chasing scene, right when it when you zooms in on uh, Hugo Weaving's character, mm. you can you can almost hear the Agent Smith in your head saying, "You hear, person." <laughs> That is the sound of inevitability. <laughs> it's like one of his most iconic lines yeah. to me. I, I absolutely love it. And as soon as I watched that, I'm like, okay, that is so Agent Smith. That is not Hugo Weaving. You know, it's funny because we all think Elrond from Lord of the Rings is dodgy as fuck only because he was played by Hugo Weaving. <laughs> he actually wasn't dodgy at all. <laughs> I like Elrond's character. Elrond is cool. You know what Agent. I didn't realize? Is Hugo yeah. Weaving actually no, Australian? Yeah. Oh, he's Australian. What so is he? he? <laughs> oh, God, I yes. don't know. I don't. I don't think he's human at this point. <laughs> he's a Matrix contract. <laughs> we don't. We don't know. All <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's like, oh, sorry. So Nationality is British. I don't know why I thought he was Australian. Oh, he is British. Oh, okay. Okay. oh this is complicated. Uh, he's born in colonial Nigeria to English parents. He has resided, has resided yeah. in Australia for the entirety of his professional career. And he's received six uh, Australian Academy Cinema and Television Arts Awards. I think his natural accent was Yeah, and I think that's why I thought it was Australian, because there. I've heard him speak. That's, yes. yeah, okay. So this is a British accent. Yeah, because I was thinking, wow. But he was so convincing. I thought that mm. he was British. Oh, he was just playing Pierce Brosnan, like I said. He was just, Yeah. <laughs> It just makes you more evil as well on a film to have a oh, yeah, posh British right. accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that initial chase scene, I, that's basically what the trailer was. They mostly just used that. So you can see why I was hooked as well on the idea of this. And then like, yeah, London looks pretty amazing. Like, because they're literal pieces of mm. current London on this mm. London. Like you said, St. Paul's. There's the lions, but they're mm. much more bigger in this one. So maybe they're different lions, but... It's, yeah, and that you know that and the transformations and stuff. It was a little bit hard to understand the scale because I kind of had an idea of my head at some point. This is how big it is, and then you think, oh no, no, I've got that sense wrong. Yeah. they're traveling. You know, this. You know, I think maybe they weren't consistent <clears throat> in explaining like how big this thing is. Yeah, especially when but, you know throughout the film they basically traveled to China, so they traveled right across Europe in what felt like a matter of days. Um, and mm. So yeah, the the pace and all of it is. I think quite different. And you're right, the lions were really did really throw you off because you know we've all sat on those lions many times. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wow, those are much bigger than I thought. Yeah. Because that's a reference point, right? Yeah. I, think, okay. I guess the only thing they actively 
went to was St. Paul's. I mean, even with Big Ben, as far as we know, that's a replica. I mean, I guess even St. Paul's a replica, but I think they actually called St. Paul's St. Paul's, didn't they? So possibly that's yes. the scale. That's the actual church. Yeah, well, they, they redid the roof. Yeah, they redid the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys notice that the, the tube is vertical? The tube goes up and down. Oh, the symbol, yeah, across. yeah, that was quite cool. Yeah. No, isn't the literal underground tube in there? Not just a symbol, but the actual underground tube within the whole city of London. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, but I guess um, because it's it was sort of built on levels, right? So they've gone. It's, yeah, everything's. Vertical. So they did this, I, I guess, like, very kind quick, of, kind of young adult book thing they do, don't they? Where actually it's all like, oh, everything's there. Everyone at the top is rich and gluttonous and and dicks, and everyone at the bottom mm. is hardworking miners and, and and not doing anything, you know. So we saw it, I guess, most famous, famously recently in Hunger Hunger Games. Uh, so like you've got your District One guys who are mm. living at the top, and you've got the you know the hardworkers mm. or I don't know whatever the um, Snowpiercer or anything. So it's real. I don't know. It's real basic stuff, and they didn't bother to explore yeah. that very much. But also, I kind of get that you didn't necessarily need to. You just had that as a quick thing that's there. You wanted to tell a different story. Yeah, I think it was referenced in certain scenes, um, like uh, uh, Tom. Um, uh, you know, the, the 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 male protagonist in our story. He was, I think he he was he was, you know, quote unquote lowborn. Essentially, but he he moved up his ranks and he's still seen as you know low levels. That was a really even Hugo Wings' character. Though. So you had that. So you had okay. Oh, you're nobody, and this posh guy was being a dick to you and pushing you around, right? But that posh guy's ass <laughs> went nowhere. He just got pushed around by Hugo Weaving. <laughs> there was that light, slight connection with Hugo Weaving, and it was like, oh, okay, is he going to say I also came up from nothing? And you know, so we we have this weird connection, and therefore. The eventual inevitable betrayal will be so much harder. No, not really. That didn't go anywhere. And then it turned out this guy's like, I always wanted to be a pilot. And yeah, I've trained and I know how to fly planes. Well, <laughs> dude, you're not some fucking junker then, are you? Because <laughs> you got behind that plane and you were flying it and you were fine. <laughs> so the whole, you know, that was just awful. Like, don't, Chekhov's gone. Like, you know, you put it in there, you've not done anything with any of this stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So he, the protagonist, he works in the Museum of London, not the British Museum, which which is also the the um, place where I remember in uh, um, Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther. He steals something from the right. Museum of London, not the British Museum. So that's interesting. Um, and it was kind of weird this museum because they just had, I guess, some iPhones and stuff, and you know, which are now museum items. They had the, they had the, the yeah, minions, the American gods. gods. They yeah. had the minions. Yeah, yeah, few yeah. gags in there. I but it almost feels excessive to have a museum. I think like in this kind of world where it's kind of, but then maybe maybe, well maybe it fits with the sort of gluttonous side of things like. It feels more of a luxury to have a museum in, in this movie. There seemed to be, you know, there was a sort of purpose of we do, we care about the yield technology, right? Because that's what's building the bombs. And, and actually, we can't understand this stuff. We don't understand how phones and shit work, but we do. So the technological yeah. peak for them was in the past. 
So I can understand there's something about yeah. you know, trying to go back to the past. And actually, Tobreo, uh, I suppose if you think how they've uh, they've preserved St. Paul's, so there is some degree of mm. historical uh, thing in their culture. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a bit confusing what their technology was, I think, like their current technology, because at first I thought it was all yeah. like going to be steam powered and Victorian and sense, but then they had like helicopters and stuff, which seemed much more like, I think they did have electricity, right? Because they were yeah, lights and I mean, stuff. It seemed like yeah. what they had was all mechanical initially, right? So what they don't have is computers. It's everything but a computer. Mm. Uh, so you have to pull a lever to make a thing happen, basically. Um, but then right, I, right yeah. at the end when they when they were um uh uh trying to turn the turn the thing turn turn the city and all that the, the bridge of the ship the bridge <laughs> of london looked quite futuristic again to me so you're right it was very strange hmm. again that to me is sort of quite of forgivable like because like, it is this weird like if we if this was a cartoon and actually, say if this film was made in I don't know the nineties, it would have to be a cartoon because you'd never be able to visualize something like this. You'd be fine with that. You'd just think, oh yeah, it's just kind of weird, like mm. bit of future, bit of past, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, so sort of a mix between like steampunk and uh, Waterworld. Don't know if you guys have seen Waterworld. Yes. The other biggest <laughs> blocks of this yeah. flop of all time. It's a good <laughs> comparator. <laughs> <laughs> who did it star again? Um, Kevin Costner. Was it, was it Kevin Costner? Kevin Costner? Yeah, Kevin Costner, right? But I, I, I quite like that film. But I, I saw elements of, of, of that in here because that again was also about post-apocalyptic surviving, but out in the in the in the water rather than the wastelands of Europe. I mean, as is now. To me, this film was like was basically just steampunk Star Wars, wasn't it? That's all it was ripping <laughs> off. <laughs> Had a bit of Star Wars, had a bit of uh, Mad Max, had a bit of what was it, Hunger Games, we said. Bit of Star Wars, bit of Water World, yeah. bit of a mix of films. Yeah. I d- I'm not sure it did any of those justice, though, unfortunately. So it, lots and lots of little things, but lots of little things broke it. I thought the story kind of kept, kept breaking. So um, you had Tom's betrayal by Hugo Weaving, but at that point, did he even care about you? You know, that connection wasn't built. Then you have the other guy who saw the betrayal. I mean, what was that guy's art? What was he doing in the film? Um, oh. And then we had Esther. <laughs> what the fuck was going on with Esther? Yeah, so Hester is, she wants to take revenge on Hugo Weaving because Hugo Weaving killed her mom. But she's also got this cyborg robot zombie dad who's raised her and now wants to kill her <clears throat> because she promised her cyborg robot zombie dad that I'll become a zombie like you, robot zombie like you. And she said, later she said, no, I'm, I'm not going to have this. And, and so now he's, he's feels betrayed and wants to kill her. And this guy is, is, is yeah. basically the Terminator, yeah. isn't he? The way he walks. And yeah, like, exactly. Basically like, <laughs> like a stripped out Terminator basically walking through this movie completely disconnected yep. from the rest of the movie in a way really I was just like <laughs> he's got his own story this could be a totally separate film going he on. had his own like physics I mean, like, he would walk through things he would walk through like metal and stuff and things would just like bend around him and break Yeah, but not like 
the structure wouldn't bend, just the tiny bit he was walking through. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it just felt like a massive afterthought, this guy. Very strange. And it's full on that, you know, like, how the old Terminators actually yeah. walks pretty slowly. And, you know, you know, a brisk walk, you'd get out of range. And it's the same thing. Like, these guys are running and scrambling. And, and he's there having a really slow walk towards them. And they still can't get away. And he's got those evil eyes. And he goes, Haster. Haster. I thought it was really strange. And he, oh, he had his own backstory and everything. He was once a man. And it was just all like, is <laughs> yeah. this the same film? Like, what's <laughs> What's yeah. this got to do with it, it, his backstory was not developed at all. Like literally, <laughs> the only reason why why B-Tech Skeletor was in this film was <laughs> was just to to provide an answer to to the question: How did um, Hester survive as an eight year old? Wasn't it? So it's, it, it's how you survive. And then she gave he gave her the um, the key, right? The USB stick of Doom, which she had. Which he was, yeah, carrying around the whole time on him. Conveniently, yeah. Um, and then I also think he killed a lot of the the very good looking sky dudes. He did. He One did. of which was in uh, is in Bridgerton. Okay. Um, what's his name? It's oh. a very it's a sexy name. I'm not gonna lie. Regé Jean Page. <laughs> they were a they were a very sexy group. <laughs> they were. They, they really were shockingly were. good looking. It was just like wow, you know. <laughs> I'm like, damn, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is basically coming back to your Star Wars thing. I guess it's like, you know, Red Squadron <laughs> and Gold Squadron and all that, but much, much, much more prettier looking. Um, and they're just like fly their planes and take the, down the Death yeah, Star. That, I mean, but, by, oh by the time we met them, that's exactly where the whole thing went down, right? <laughs> it was okay. We are now... I mean, and the problem... The biggest problem, I think, with these guys is it wasn't clear what was danger and what wasn't. So, all right, they're living in this house in the sky. Very cool visuals again. This robot zombie guy turns up. He starts chucking them in and out, you know, chucking them out of this thing. And you're not, it's not clear. It's like, are they dead? Have you, if you get chucked out the window of this, is that the end for you? Or is it just like you fall to a lower level? It's not clear. And then at the end, when they're doing their Death Star runs, everyone's like, oh, Hester, are you sure you want to do this? Is it okay? It's a big risk. And it's like, well, dude, all of you guys flying cover, that's the risk. Mm. You know, is a plane crashing (laughs) death? Or is it just like you get up and you walk away? Because some of them just walked away. You know. They just did that, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was very strange how they treated that whole gang. Um, I, I like, I mean, apart from being very good looking, they were, you know, very it's kind of a diverse cast and they looked, you could tell one apart from the other, which was, which was nice. It wasn't just all rebel pilots in helmets or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, I couldn't tell what, when I should feel any peril or when it's just like, oh yes, yeah, another day. I felt really bad. So the Sky City is like Hester... And uh, is it Tom? Yeah. They end up in the Sky City, and then they, the robot dad follows them. I don't know how he got oh, yeah, up there, anyway, but anyways. No, so so basically, um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, the scene previously was um, okay. So let's backtrack a bit. Hester and Tom got right. kicked out of London, 
Hester fell down. Tom got pushed okay. off. Yes. Even by at that point, point, okay. So Hester's going down this thing, and you're like, "Is that death, or is it just a slide?" Yeah. And then Tom Tom gets kicked down this thing too, <laughs> and again, it's just a slide, and it's like. You know, is is that dangerous? Is it not? Have they like just survived and they're very lucky, (laughs) or is Hugo Weaving really dumb to not think they've just slid down there? Exactly. So yeah, so they 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 slide down um, the stairs, uh, stairs slide into the wasteland. Into the wasteland. um, They're they're trying to survive when a couple of scrappers come. I think. Oh, sorry, scavs. They come from from the south because apparently you never go south. So these scabs come up from the south. They're looking for for people to I don't know do whatever they they do with them. Yeah, sell into slavery. But here's the thing: yeah, they get saved just in time by this old couple. Who? All right, can, can I stop? Oh, sorry, the old couple carry on. Yeah, yeah. So who who, who miraculously just happened to be under the, the exact same spot that the hole that that opens up that Tom goes down to, to get saved <laughs> is, and and. <laughs> Like they act like they're, you know, they essentially they're your parents. Like they, they want to take care of you. They want to you know, give you tea and all that. But they act like like that couple in Red Dead Redemption Two who end up trying to trying to eat you alive. But anyway, um, I digress. So they take them to um, their own city, where they... and then that's where we see. Um... Right, I'm going to pause you. I got to talk about the slave okay, auction. All right. Yes, go. So you had, you know, the, the, the first day they're like, they're selling off this old lady and they're like, ah, yeah, she's not worth anything, whatever. You know, she's old, she can't fight. And then they come and put Hester. And I was like, oh, it's going to get big. But, you know, it's basically they're going to say, okay, this is a this is a beautiful lady. They're going to try and sell her for sex or something, right? And they're like, ah, oh, look how ugly this girl is. Ah, oh, she's so blah, blah, blah. Look at her ugly face. And it was like, and then like, oh, you're just gonna use it for sausage meat. Oh, you look better in the sausage <laughs> than your face does now. And I was like, what? Because what? you've got yeah. this like slight artistic scar across your across your face. Is that the whole the whole premise of this? Do you remember in um, Ready Player One where she's like, oh, you'll never love me. You can't see my face because because my face has a huge birthmark. And she goes, and it's just like a slight like miscolored spot. Like a beautifully done design, and it was just that. And it was like, is that the thing? Has she been? And that's when I was like, is has this been the whole thing where we're meant to see that she's really ugly and she's been hiding her face with the mask, and she takes it off, and actually she's just a beautiful actress with a with a slight scar, with a very artistic scar <laughs> on her face. I mean, I thought she uses a mask to to hide from people, not hide because she's insecure. That's what I would have thought. I mean, you know. With the slave traders saying, <laughs> "Ah, you look better than a sausage," that you will us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would you know yeah. put down anyone's confidence. So, so this is where we, have, so, um, you know, psycho cyborg dad zombie uh, come in. No, before that. Um, no, no, before, before just we just get, there, get there, they're they're bidding, they're yes. bidding on Hester, and then this lady yep. walks straight out of the matrix <laughs> and into this movie. <laughs> I don't know what's her yep. name, but she looks totally uh, in the with, with Matrix sunglasses <laughs> and everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. With Matrix hair yeah. and, I'm like, and coat well, and, and somebody biting. Called, and... Like, they're trying to copy B-Tech Trinity here. You know? But, but it's too many, many too many ideas, yeah. right? Like, Because we're, yes. we're in like a Mad Max world where everybody's a bit rough and, you know, and then somebody walks in like they've just had a shower and you're like, 
hang on, and your clothes are all clean, and it just doesn't make sense. Like, and then she's every kicking everybody's Was she and, the like, person like, on the poster this? at the beginning? Actually, yeah, so, that's the one. Okay, she's the terrorist. The, the terrorist that they branded. Um, I, I think that they put like a so, price tag of I, fifty thousand corks. That was very strange because it felt like to me that she was a homegrown person, as in she's in London. Because there's someone in London who's saying, oh, this municipal Darwinism is BS. Stop this. And we want to stop them. And that's where Tom says a really stupid thing. and goes, oh, look at that criminal. I think they should be locked up. Well, it's a criminal, Tom. That's, that's the general consensus. Like, what the fuck are you adding to this conversation? <laughs> Say it if you think she should be free. That's different. Whatever. <laughs> so so the, the big terrorist that they're afraid of in London doesn't even live in London. She lives in the Sky City. No. And they've got posters no. about her. And again, this is a city on wheels. It's not easy to come in and out of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, unless, unless you use the slide. So well, well, like, just... go up the slide. <laughs> yeah. Did that, right? yeah. <laughs> no, but I actually like her as an actress. Uh, her name is oh. Jihei. She's a, um, she's a South Korean actress. She's in another TV series that I really like called Mars. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Amazing show. Watch it, please. It's it's really well made. It's like part documentary, part series. It's really, really cool. But um, yeah, moving on with the story, that's where we see her, known as Anna Fang. And then, you know, as she's running up to her plane, what is it called? What was it called? Uh, what was it? Windflower? Something like Windflower? I think it was called. That's okay. when we first see Swordfish. <laughs> No, that's when we first no, think of Holly Berry. <laughs> no, it looked so, like the cowboy yeah. bebop plane to me for some reason. Yeah, there's some really weird designs in these planes. It was really cool. Design. Yeah, again, you know, just just great visuals and great sort of yeah. nonsensical Absolutely. designs, but just yeah, really good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is where we first see crazy psycho cyborg dad. And the, all right, the, their escape really pissed so me off, dead. right? Because up until this point, Tom is useless. Okay, Tom is some like foppish, <clears throat> like oh, I'm a yep. museum guy, I can't do shit, whatever. Hester is a bit of a badass. I literally climbed onto a city so it could get eaten by London, so I could get close to this guy and stab the fuck out of him. And actually, if you hadn't stopped me, you know, this would have all gone to plan. Hester's a badass, and I've been living alone and blah 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 blah. But for some mm. reason. Like constantly during this escape, it's Tom like grabbing her hand and pulling her up, and Tom's pushing her onto the you know the giant wheel they jump on. Tom helps her get onto the wheel and then climbs on himself. And it was like, dude, no, that's the exact reverse of your dynamic. That makes it, and and it goes back to how it was like after this. But for just this kind of this particular escape scene, the whole thing just breaks for no reason whatsoever. And suddenly he's rescuing her. Mm. Yeah, you kind of they kind of slip back into yeah. the, you know these gender roles, you know what I mean? And and we discussed this in in the, the Da Vinci Code, where you know yeah. the Harvard professor man <laughs> is teaming up with a French cop, right? But he's the one throwing the punches, and she's like you know being being helped out and stuff, and you know. But yeah, I think it's just the man's role to sort of drag the woman through the action scene. It's awful, and, isn't and it? Maybe but it's yeah, a bit of that. that. Even just after seeing um, this badass Matrix lady. Mm. Peter mm. Trinity, yeah. 
So at this point, they um, see, yeah. so go on. So yeah, I was gonna say like like I saw it a little bit differently. I saw it that Tom saw there was danger, so he wanted her to be safe first before he got onto the onto the plane itself. But that could also tie into your narrative as well, what you what you were saying, like oh, uh, let me save save the girl and you know the chivalry and all that stuff. Yeah, it just didn't make but, sense um, that she could. I mean, you know, the the only possible argument for me was you could say, "Oh, she sees her dad essentially, and she's kind of in shock seeing him." Except, no, you're not in shock because he's been chasing you the whole time. And and if it is a case mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah. you just need to have a conversation with him and say, "Hey, listen, look, Dad, I said yes, but at the moment, no, I want to kill this dude, and then I'm back in again." Have the chat. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> But all right, so oh, they bad. find they they have a really bizarre escape with switched roles. Then they get yep. onto the plane, and then so so yeah. So this is where this is where um, Crazy Psycho Dad um, sees uh, you see his head turn, and he sees another plane. Okay, so you think you pilot something, and he goes onto that plane, right. and then you see like so yeah, so you see this visual of, of him almost like, like you see it from his eyes where he's there's like a crosshair, and then he targets that. Uh, the escaping ship, mm. and it's almost like he's he's putting like a visual tracker on it or something, because mm. otherwise, how how would he know unless that's that ship is really really fast, the one that he's going to go on? It is funny uh, that you like know these these rolling cities just have like these flying planes just attached to them, like just like they're parked there and anyone can grab one and fly off. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that to me, it, yeah, it part it works as part of the nuts, the not so steampunk. Okay, so that explains how he got up to the Sky City. Um, Then he has yet another scene, and he's essentially there's a meeting with all these sexy people and Esther and Tom, where they figure Mm -hmm. out the main Mm -hmm. plan. Hugo Weaving's plan is to bust into China, I think, because China has said no, we don't like this municipal. Darwinism, and basically, we want our cities to be on the ground. And oh, I think it's more generically Asia. Okay, they show that Indian lady as well. So they basically block off. So they they've kind of built a wall, and there's to stop Europe from coming in. He wants to go and break through the wall. That's his plan by by turning um, Mm. the Great Wall. Yeah, I think maybe that's why I thought China. But yeah, and then turning Mm -hmm. London, turning the Death Star. Activating the Death Star basically into the wall. Yeah, I mean that's kind of crazy. So there's only one pass or one way to get from this side of the continent to the next, but but maybe it's the mm. shifting of the plates or something that's made made this the only way. Um, I I felt bad in the Sky City that that Psycho Dad was just yeah. like, destroying it completely, like. I mean, I didn't mind the you know them tearing up the slavers market because mm-hmm. it was like mm-hmm. okay, they're slavers, but like up in the sky city, I was that like, was, wow, this is a cool place. It was like the free city, totally right? Destroyed. And I guess that was um, uh, yeah. our terrorist friend's home base, right? So if she's trying to take down mm-hmm. municipal Darwinism, so if she is a threat to all the rolling cities, that's I guess where she's running her team from. And this is the part yeah, where he dies, very right? Very strange. I don't. Can you explain that to me exactly what happened? Because I was kind of confused. How did he die? Yeah, I didn't get it either. I don't know how he died, but 
from what I saw, I'm guessing he has he has he a, catches up he has to a Hester, purpose, right? Like uh, they call like the, the the Lazarus army or something, and they, they if once they have a target, they won't rest until they achieve that target or or they they fulfill their promise, as it says. And because Hester promised that she would become a robot like him, but she escaped. His target was now her to find her and to fulfill that promise through whatever means necessary. Um, now, here's the thing. It's supposed to be like on a contract basis, like like an, on a, almost like an assassin kind of thing. But it, it wasn't. She just escaped. And he got pissed off that she didn't fulfill that promise. So when he when, when they were on that bridge in the sky... And um, he was about to kill Tom. And she said, no, you can't, you can't, you can't. He uh, could understand her emotions and realize that she loved him or had very, very strong feelings for him. He said love. And yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, it was love. It was love, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, he said, you, you love him. And uh, she didn't say anything, which basically means yes. Um, and <laughs> Silence is not consent, he, he, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not in that context. Okay, okay, fine. All right. okay, 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 okay. Fine, fine, fine. Um, but yeah, so he basically got confirmation. However, he did <laughs> that she loved him, and he backed off. And um, I don't know. Maybe his whole purpose was to make her find purpose, because early on, you know, when we see her story early on, that she's been with him for so long, well, we've been with. Uh, the dad for so long, the cyborg dad. We see that, um, you know, he he sees she's always upset, and her heart is hurting. And his purpose is to heal her heart again, right? So that's the only explanation that I can come up with. So when he sees her, he sees that okay, she's in love, her heart is healed. That's his his own purpose done. So he no longer has a purpose, and therefore. These guys apparently they live, you know, based on a purpose. If he has no purpose, then that's it. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a stretch, right? The that's that's why does he try to huh? kill Hester? What? Why was he trying to kill Hester then? I don't think he was trying to kill sense. Hester. I think he he wanted her, but he wanted her to fulfill her. Oh, promise. He would have just dragged her back. Yeah, home. He, he he wanted her to fulfill her promise. Well, she still didn't want to kill fulfill her. her promise despite falling in love. You know, you can't say this, and I was going to pay you back, but I fell in that's love. True. So yeah, so that's what <laughs> I, I think. He started chasing because her. Hester fell in love. <laughs> the robot dad died. Yeah, the story is full of I'm not. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. You're in love. Oh, I did. <laughs> I mean, the three of us all watched I mean, the film that, that, and not one of us can explain. How the most interesting character of the film died. <laughs> I'll say I'll say this for the Hester scenes, the, the childhood Hester stuff. Uh, I mean, and I, and I don't know. I mean, Toby, bro, you might have felt this too because we both got very young daughters. Um, just the thought, the little scenes of the little girl in fear of this guy, and then sort of you know being ripped away from her own mother, and then growing up around this guy, and then weirdly making it into a life. So you had the little scenes of, you know, she was joking around and laughing with crazy zombie dad. That really, that, that really hit some, you know, tugged on some heartstrings for me. 
the, the tragedy of very, her very life, emotional scenes. Yeah, kind of really hit. It doesn't fully... And I think... No. I feel like this was a plot vehicle to add emotion to the film. That was all. That, that's like one of the main reasons why 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 uh, uh, Shrike, as his name is, <laughs> we've been calling him Crazy Psycho Cyborg. That is Shrike. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think um, Steampunk Terminator is probably the best one for him. So he, all right, so he, he decides, yeah. all right, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to die, but I'll give Hester the magic USB stick, which says USA yeah, on the yeah, back. Exactly. I don't know. What did, was that about? Do you think he said "Hasta la vista, baby" as he died, like in his head? Maybe no. No, but but the USB, the, the USA thing <laughs> comes into play later on. We we found out why later on. No, no, I, yeah, USA. no, I, we got that. But what was the point? What, what, what were we meant to think it was something else? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That was. Yeah, I cringed was, when I saw that. I'm like, so there's misdirection. Yeah. The 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 thing was called Medusa, and half of half yeah. of the text is printed on the computer, and the USA is printed on the USB device. So we all look at, you know, in our world, watching this yeah. movie, we think, oh, it's an American-made technology. Right. It's got USA on it. Like, that's all I can I, use. But why give I that I so hard, like, man. What's I the point? so hard when I saw USA. I'm like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> the Americans again. Just another thing they did nothing with, basically. <laughs> So this this pen drive, you you stick this into the main computer. Well, and if, it if only it was so simple, the, Pedro, the because beam. Hester had no way of knowing that's actually what it did. For all she knew, it doubled the strength of the Death Star. And then there was like, oh, you do it, and then mm. you have to follow the number of button presses that it has to press, and there's a time between. None of that was built up. There was no reason to know that's how long it was going to take, or that's the process, or was it a close call, or it wasn't a close call, or, you know. The, you made a Transformers comparison earlier, Ryan. Like yeah. when, um... we, 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 do know, we do know a few things. Um, I think early on in the movie, Tom was explaining um, that there used to be like these massive weapons of mass destruction, and the only way to uh, destroy them was through USB. USB stick, which is crazy to think. He did, he did. Early on, very early on in the film. Very early on in the film. There's always big weapons, but there's a couple of USB sticks out there in the world. Yeah, and he said the the only way to shut down. He knew about the. He knew about it because he drew it. He drew the symbol. The way it really. He drew the symbol. He said, "That's the symbol of the gun, the Death Star." Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 three sickles together. That's it. Right. Three sickles like slightly rotated. Um, but yeah, we get a countdown though of like ready to fire in like you know sixty oh, so seconds. There was, that's seconds that's the thing. So I think, and this is where I think they kept failing to build that tension, right? So at this point, you just have a little bit of exposition of, hey, listen, this needs to go in, but it's not going to work straight away. Someone's going to have to like keep you know be a distraction, keep Hugo weaving off our back because you've got to press the buttons, and then it's done. Or whatever. It was just like by the numbers, just a thing happened, then another thing happened, then another thing. You know, it was weird. Um, it just made me think of, um, yeah, you did the Transformers comparison earlier, where in that first Michael Bay movie, um, they were all chasing after the Allspark, right? And then, oh, don't let him get it. Oh, I can get it. Oh, I, I should save it, whatever. <laughs> and then he gets it, and then he just sticks it into Megatron's chest. And then actually, that happens to kill Megatron. And I was like, dude, that all this time is that was the big thing that Megatron wanted. 
that could have made him like mega powerful. That might have been the <laughs> aim that he had just to get in his own chest. <laughs> there was no reason that worked. <laughs> So for all we knew, the USB stick went, you know, oh, right, activate full power. None of this half power you've been doing. Uh. <clears throat> but fine, so they get the USB stick, they realise what Hugo Weaving's up to, and they want to beat him to it, so they fly off to miscellaneous East Asia, to the, to the, to the walls. Um, and again, a nice bit of world building there. So you got to see the other culture there. In theory, just normal humans at this point. And these guys are the, the guardians of the wall, I think. So they've got guns and stuff on top of the wall to stop anyone ever getting through. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is down this kind of weird like alleyway, right? So this corridor that the, the thing has to come down so there's no other way for it to come. So it's it's there. Mm. Um, and this is when we get ready for the, the, the final battle, right? The final Death Star run. This is where something funny happens. So, you know the governor, yeah. the, the man in charge, yeah. um, you know, behind the wall, essentially. The, the, uh, north of the wall. Oh, no, the, the Sorry? wall governor. Sorry, yes, okay. Yeah, yeah, the wall governor. He, he says he values human life and then orders a preemptive strike to kill thousands of innocent people. In, in London. And then, like, later on... Actually, we'll, we'll get to that later on. But, yeah, th- this is what I'm just confused about. Like, okay, cool. We value human life very much. But let's get them before they get us. Well, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm the arsehole for saying this, but this invading army is coming at you and is going to kill you all. And you said, all right, we have a way to stop. So this is basically... You know, we're going to blow up the Death Star. Yeah, a lot of people on the Death Star were just like fucking janitors and shit. <laughs> but we're not saying, you know, shouldn't have blown up the Death Star. And also, they, the they made an extra point in this. So every time London went and ate a city, right? You had all the rich Londoners all running to the balcony going, yeah, fucking kill them, bring it, lads. <laughs> So you made a whole point yeah, to show that they're all, all assholes. <laughs> and even when you went below ground to say, oh, these are the normal people, they were all fucking, you know, oh, we've eaten the city, let's shove them around a little bit. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, don't take, you know, maybe the world's worst searching <laughs> of uh, of Hester. Uh, open your jaw, oh, you've got nothing on you, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Literally knife up her sleeve. But, so th- there wasn't any point where we just saw, oh, these are just like these are just innocent people living their lives, getting through time, you know, getting through the days. Mm. That would have been good to see. Yeah, you're right. Mm. I mean, I'm not saying you know, no lives matter. That's not the point of this. What I'm saying is, so, yeah. So that's when that's when we see the first barrage of the, that the... WMD against the uh, the wall, where it just like tears up. So you have St. Paul's Cathedral itself open up like a giant flower. You have a huge mm-hmm. thing, a huge, essentially, petal yeah. of that flower, which is the, the, the barrel of the gun, and that's shooting a laser down, and that needs to kind of recharge every single time. They, oh, they ripped off Star Wars. I mean, we've not even got to the most Star wars part of this, this film yet. <laughs> yeah, so I know, worse. right? I know, I'm... I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and, you know, you could... They didn't make it clear, but, you know, essentially, 
this gun could shoot the wall out of range, so keeping the city out of range of the city's guns. And that's why this was a powerful weapon. You have to really, you know, put it together a little bit to understand. But the thing is, mm. the guy kept driving forward. Because surely that's your weapon. I've got a more greater range weapon than you did. I'm just going to get up now, park, <laughs> and then just keep breaking the damn wall. I mean, his point was to eventually, like, power through, like, as a battering ram. Because uh, we see in the later scenes that like, they have some sort of battering ram that they want to oh, sort of no, knock that, down the last bit of wall. With. That's not, that's, oh, did they? <clears throat> they? They had some sort of like battery, like ram like thing. Eating. That's just the city eating the, the, the mouth of Unicron. No, there, there was, there was a, a, a battering ram oh. in between the two lines. Okay. All right, let's, the let's, let's, now we now you know we agree. All right, let's start the start the Death Star. Tom starts the whole thing of oh, listen, no, London's got innocent people. Don't don't kill everyone. And they're like, no, sorry, they're all dicks. We got to kill them to save us. Tom doesn't really make any particular argument <laughs> around it. He just sort of figures out a way of stopping the weapon. Fair enough. And then everyone's like, Esther, are you sure? If you do this, there's no coming back. We're all going to kill ourselves to get you there, but are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Let me just let me just back you up a little bit. So Tom kind of storms out of this council mm-hmm. meeting because he's not happy about London being attacked because he's got friends there, I guess. Then he storms off, and then Hester's like, Tom, wait, 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 and then she's oh, trying yeah, to chase Tom for a right. while, and then she kind of gets distracted looking at this Indian... Yeah. In- this Indian woman is doing some kind of puja on some wall. So she sees this woman who's doing this puja on this wall. She sees the symbol that makes her realize that it's the same symbol on her pen drive. Is that is that right? Yeah. The- so she sees a, a giant um, um, sort of face of Okay. Yeah. On Medusa's forehead is the third eye. Right. And then the, that that's the pendant that she gets or the locket that she got she got from her mum. She opens it, inside it is a USA pen drive. Right. <laughs> and that's when she figures out she's got the only thing that can stop the weapon. So she uh, goes after Tom again. Then they've got this plan. They get the remaining sort of, you know, X-wing flyers together and say, "Oh, let's go and do this mission. We gotta stick this USB pen drive in." And then they're all like, "Yeah, yeah, let's go do this. You sure you want to do this? Let's do this." Hey, where's Tom? And then Tom's looking at this jacket for like a solid <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> Did you guys like think that was so weird? Like, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Do you remember oh uh, in the Street Fighter movie, right, where Ryu and Ken sort of go, oh, we're not going to be bad guys anymore, and they rip off the bison symbols from their, from their geese, and now they're Ryu and Ken. <laughs> and it was just such a, like, meaningless, I mean, it's a meaningless film, but it was such a weirdly meaningless moment in a meaningless film. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not Londoner anymore, I'm Pilot Boy. <laughs> Take off my London jacket. <laughs> Hey, can I make a quick costume segue here, actually? Right? Yeah. I think I'm talking about this. So, by and large, I kind of like, I liked the costumes, right? Because it was, you know, sort of weird, steampunky, timeless, whatever. You can be silly and have, you know, the the British, the the London styles were just kind of uber exaggerated. Except 
for Hugo Weaving's daughter, who just wore normal clothes. Right at the beginning, she had kind of a funky jacket, and then after for the rest of the film, she just wore like normal modern day clothes with her normal modern day haircut. Yeah. And it was so like brought you out of the every time it cut to her, you were like, did I switch channels? Like, <laughs> she just yeah, exactly. I mean, I think at most she had like a slightly larger than normal belt, like a slightly fashionable belt, but that was it. It was just completely normal. Clothes. There was no great boots or great kind of collars or anything like that. Just don't do things half assed, either make it a weird costume or, or don't, or just put them in you know, modern day clothes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this really annoyed me. Every time I saw her on screen, I was just like, fuck's sake, get into wardrobe. You can't just come on set in your normal clothes and go on a film. Uh, I, um, yeah, I think costumes were generally good. Yeah, I think it fit, fits the world, like you said. Bar one. Yeah. <laughs> they could have cut her out entirely. Her, her entire arc and that fucking guy she hung around with, who also had a very like modern kind of hairstyle as well, with his sort of Justin Bieberish look. Well, you know, he needed a Leia and Luke to yeah. awkwardly flirt before they knew they were related and all that. <laughs> oh no, they're not. Related. They're not related. I, guess, uh, no, they're, they're, no. I mean, okay, you know, arguably, okay, this is a. I guess this is a you know ten book. Hunger Games scenario, and they thought they're going to make a lot more films, and we figure out who they are later, or whatever. Yeah, but, you know, it was just so crap. There, didn't want, didn't care about either of them. All right, let's get to the the ending now. So they're all flying towards mm-hmm. London, which has this mega weapon to break down the wall. It is pretty cool flying, you know, fight the gun. I thought that was a nice scene, actually. You know. Them sort of flying around London, shoot the guns. They set uh, that up pretty well. So London has basically like point defense cannons, and mm. we can't get you in until we take these down. So our job is to take yeah. down all these cannons so you can go in. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, my issue was just like the peril wasn't also the there. searchlights. Sorry. Also the searchlights as well. The search, yeah, exactly. The main objective was to yeah. take down the searchlights. The only thing that wasn't clear is you know if, if your plane gets shot at the sky, are you dead or not? Because some seemed to die, some didn't. You know, some sat, like um, the, the the girl who plays uh, Bobby in The Expanse, I forgot the actress's name, sorry, who flies into one of those things and it's a big deal. Ah, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Well, did, did all your mates just die? And then like later on, you see two of them just walk out of a crashed plane like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For the sequel that never happened. Mm. Yeah. It's, the, it's the two good looking ones that I walked out as well. <laughs> They're all good looking. There's <laughs> <laughs> one good looking team of pilots, man. Uh... <laughs> And then maybe that's get... why Esther is ugly in a world where everyone looks like that just Esther's like, <laughs> look at your ugly face you'd be better as a sausage <laughs> she can start calling a sexy squadron or something. <laughs> and then that's it they get there, they put in the pen drive and, and... Well, well, I think he dies well no, yeah. not really so now you've got, you've got your Matrix lady with a really long fight with Hugo Weaving oh yeah which doesn't yeah really do anything because you don't you've not really got the conflict between the two of them as far as we understood the conflict was with Esther and this guy well they're both from the Matrix (laughs) (laughs) she was part of Morpheus (laughs) (laughs) gotcha 
So yeah, that was a, a pointless fight. And then um, what was really funny, so again, like I said earlier, you know, you have this weird timing thing with Esther and, ah, oh, it's not working. It, takes two. Like, it was just copy the buttons. I don't know why that was a thing. And then um, our Matrix lady holds on to not dying till the last second. She's like, why don't you die? It's not time. And then she sees Esther's finished and she's like, now it's time. Bye. <laughs> Added nothing. But that's when the film is full Star Wars. Basically, London is driving into the wall. Tom yes, wants to they stop, need to stop it. it. So Tom yeah. just decides, I'm just going to call up the bridge and see if anyone picks up. Conveniently, Thaddeus' daughter is now a good guy, picks up and goes, yo, I'm here. And Tom's like, cool, mm. I'm going to talk you through how to stop it. And she's like, oh, yep. I can't because all the controls are busted. So yeah, so he orders her to open the the cargo hold or whatever. No, the hold so, is. so this and is the, this the is the thing that eats the cities. Yes, so yes. He's, the, he's basically well, open the, open the the mouth of the, of, of Unicron, right? And then she's like, oh, yeah. "What the fuck's that going to do?" Then I like, oh, just do it. And then we go full. He just flies into the Death Star. <laughs> full Luke Skywalker versus Death Star moment. Well, flies yeah. in, launches his bomb, <laughs> flies out. Um, and then. And then we have another, so, so again, very bizarre, because why does that do anything? But then you get another bizarre scene where Hugo Weaving is escaping, uh, and he runs onto a ship, and the ship's about to take off. They're like, oh, we can't take off, we must be tied down. It's like, oh, that's a stupid thing. Just check the rope before you jump on a ship, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. And then he goes onto the roof, and on the roof is our heroine, Hester. So Hugo Weaving and Hester are now standing up there. And Hugo's like... She's like, no, fuck you. And he's like, no, search your feelings, Hester. I am your father. <laughs> <laughs> and the world's lamest mystery. And also yet another Star Wars pop happened. And she's like, oh, shit. All these memories I have of you and my mom running around together. That must mean you're my dad. <laughs> but did they just, did they, did they actually take the same line? Because as far as I remember, he goes, your mother never told you. Like, you know what I mean? Obi-Wan never yeah. told you. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's the exact line. And at this point, I did nothing. It wasn't like, oh, this betrayal was so much worse because you were my dad. Because actually, either way, I remember you were mates with my mom and you tried to kill her. <laughs> uh, so Hester's dad is Hugo Weaving. That's the big... So I guess this sets up uh, a Hester and um, Hugo Weaving's other daughter are now half-sisters. So maybe that's mm. something interesting in the future. I can, maybe one of us should read these books and just see if it makes any more sense. Um, but yeah, so then you've got so you've got the, the final Star Wars moment, I guess, of this, where um, she finds out is that's my dad, but she still kills him. Or does she not kill? No, she doesn't kill him. She does. She, she doesn't kill him. Oh, that's right. She she, she doesn't. That's right. He's like, yes, yes, give him to the dark side, and she's like, no, I'm not going to mm -hmm. give him to the dark side. Exactly. Exactly. Like that. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, she <laughs> she, 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 she does a off. Marty McFly at, uh, uh, Back to the Future Two thing where she jumps off the cliff, but luckily there's the ship behind to catch her. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and then Tom was the one that fired the. Um... The blasters into, into the uh, the exhaust port. The the, the, the exhaust port yeah. again, again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and still, he, still he's not dead. 
the, the helicopter's crashed, he's still not dead. The Hugo Weaving then gets off in his plane, but somehow it ends up crashing. And then that he still survives it. And then again, he gets run over by London under the tracks. But at this point, okay, maybe it's a fitting end to say you got crushed by your own city that you were trying to control. But also it was like, I don't, I don't know what kills you in this world. Are you going to shrug that off at the end of it? You're just going to be like, <laughs> come out the other end of the tracks so or the track's too big to crush you? Because L- London stopped just where his helicopter had landed. Oh, so... so it doesn't even run... It doesn't even run over him like enough for you to know that okay, yeah, he did. Yeah. He he did. You know, <laughs> you just mm. you just see it stop just where the where the, the cockpit is. Do you guys remember? And I'm like, wait. Do you remember old um, A Team? It's in the A Team. They used to use clips from movies and stuff because their budget was so low. But you couldn't show death on TV shows like that. So they'd like blow blow up a helicopter and the helicopter would crash, and they just nicked that from another movie. But then you can't show the guys in the helicopter have died, so there's add a clip of two guys walking out of this crash <laughs> helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they just jump out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I need to find you. ever died. Um, and then you have um, the Londoners now going into this city, and basically the city's like, and they're like, ah, oh, you you think they're gonna kill them, but actually the city are like, no, we respect life. If you guys are not gonna be dicks, you can come and join us. Yeah. So, I'm so sorry, I was about to order a preemptive strike on you guys. How about you come well, on again, in? Again, you know, you were the invading armies cheering as you came along, but guess what? We're better people than you, and we'll let you in. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. <laughs> and then you have a... Re- <laughs> and again, this is the film does its weird general switch thing again. Maybe it makes more sense in the context of Esther's insecurities of, you know, her quote-unquote, like, Sausage fate or whatever, but because so then she turns to um turns to our boy Tom is like oh what are you gonna do and he's like I'm just gonna fly and go where it takes me and do what I like or whatever and he says we we're gonna do all this and and then she goes oh yeah okay I'll come with you and that's meant to be this big moment but it's so meaningless it's so yeah. fucking meaningless but. They also, the sky stuff, maybe this is me still angry at Wonder Woman. Um, If anyone has listened to the previous episode, I know Toe's gone and (laughs) snuck in like 15 other releases of old episodes between this one and the last one. The last thing we recorded was was Wonder Woman. It wasn't however many Da Vinci films Toe snuck into this weird playlist. Um, But I felt like the sky CGI was always a bit iffy. It, it wasn't clear where they were or whatever, and it was just weirdly coloured. Or maybe I'd lost interest in the film this time. Um, but yeah, it ended on it ended on a nothing, a, a nothing moment for everyone, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. But luckily, it made all, all right. the money, and we're going to get the remaining three books all turned into films. So it'll be really exciting to see what happens with Esther and Tom. And oh wait, no, it's the biggest financial loss of all time, beating Waterworld, I think. <laughs> They had us in the first half. <laughs> and this isn't, incidentally, this isn't like, oh shit, this came out five minutes before the world shut down. This came out a few years ago. Yeah, it's 2018, wasn't it? Yeah. Came out in. Why was it, why did it fail so badly? I don't understand that. Like, maybe I don't get the business. I mean, 
It's not a great film, but there are crap films that do way better. I mean, I don't know why Aquaman made like... all the money it made. Um, <laughs> but so, I, so like, this one slipped by me. I, I didn't know about this until you mentioned it, Turbro. And I, yeah. I, I don't know if it's because I think I was aware there's a mortal sort of film, and I don't know if I confused, genuinely confused this one and the other one when it came out. I don't think this had figured out mm. if this is going, if this is an epic or if this is a, you know, YA drama. So which audience it was really aiming at? Is this, you know, the new Hunger Games sort of teen audience or is this people who want to see this, you know, what was it? Darwinism, this kind of big epic thing that's happening. I wonder if it's also that they were missing just that A-lister to kind of grab all the posters and bring in all the... So people. was uh, Katniss uh, uh, an A-lister before she started, in before she got into Hunger Games? But Hunger Games was genuinely good. <laughs> yeah, that was the difference. It was a good film. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, it I, was, I, I yeah. think I'd heard of the Hunger Games books as <clears throat> well, separately, and I don't, I've not heard of the Mortal Engines books mm. or anything. It was massively budgeted. I, I just feel like it wasn't marketed. Because how could something... You know, this is a Peter Jackson. I mean, it's mm. not him directing, but it is his company and stuff like that. So this is the kind of thing we would like, I think. You know, uh, I could see why the trailer mm. caught you. And I feel like if this was the trailer I saw in 2018, I'd think, oh, yeah, cool. Let's go watch this. Yeah, I think it's disappointing in a way because they had this cool concept I've never seen done in mm. film before. And they kind of just blew it, you know? Mm. Um they had a hundred yeah. million dollar budget on this. That is a huge budget. Yeah. I'm just reading on IMDb. They they made, I think, cumulatively grow well, cumulatively worldwide, grossed eighty three mil. Oh. Now, I mean generally whatever a budget for its film is, you double it for marketing, don't you? That's a mega loss. Mm. Well, either way, I'm glad I watched it. It reminded me yeah. of a lot of films I like. Same. It reminded me of Terminator and Star Wars and Matrix. <laughs> um, and I think the you know the the aesthetics will stay with me. I I enjoyed watching the cities eat the cities and concept of municipal Darwinism. And I'm I'm kind of tempted to pick up maybe the first book actually, you know, because it it's uh, Ryan. You mentioned the world building at the beginning. Uh, you know, there, there was actually what what is the city in the east like? You know, how did they get over the hundred years to kind of this point? How, you know, who decided to pick up London and stick it on wheels? Um, that stuff is it is interesting, and if it's a well told story, I mean, it's clearly well told enough for them to mm. decide to make a hundred billion dollar film about it. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, if a movie makes uh, if, sorry, if a book makes it to movies, it's, it's considered pretty good. I don't know, really, really generally speaking, a movie. But um, anyway, do we so, want to rate this? I forgot our rating system. I'm going to give it one star. Just, just one. one for okay. visuals. What? For visuals. One star for visuals. It, it misses out on a lot of other stars, like story, most importantly. That's the basic, and... right? Get the story right. Do the rest afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. Okay, right. Yeah. I, I, I actually enjoyed this film somewhat. I'd give it a 6 yeah. out of 10. Okay. Tobro, was your one star out of 10 or out of 5? I felt like it was out of 5. 
I always yeah. go out of five. Okay. Ryan goes okay. out of five. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You go one and a three or a two and a six. <laughs> should I, yeah. should, no, no, it's all good. Like, I'm like, going to call this... Um, I'm going to give this a new hope <laughs> out of <laughs> original Oh, trilogy. my God. <laughs> Very good yeah. new hope. <laughs> it had its Empire moment. It had its Jedi moment. I'm going to give it a new hope. <laughs> I think I think you know if they were able to go on and make the other films um, and maybe you know get a better director, I think we would have had some something really, really interesting. It's it's a real shame. And actually, you know, you don't spend a hundred million dollars of it, but I wouldn't mind seeing this picked up as like a a cartoon, an anime. You know, I feel like you know there's enough of this. This world is interesting enough for this story to be told in another visual medium. If this was anime, I would follow it. Avidly, it's such a good concept for an anime. I think you can do a lot more with an anime uh, rather than a, a movie. Well, that's just it. It felt like an anime, uh, I thought. And but they they did it. They had the visuals. Normally, you'd, you'd look at something, you know, you look at Howl's Moving Castle, and you'd be like, "Oh, you'd never make a film like mm. that." Just be impossible. But actually, now they can. The tech is there. And because I guess we're used to, you know, in terms of animes, it's you know we're used to subs and dubs and different kinds of storytelling and different kinds of character arcs. Sometimes you forgive blander, cheesier characters, um, which I don't think you got away with in this movie. So just didn't care about three quarters of the characters. Just my good-looking pilots. That's all I cared about. All right, we'll just end it there. Uh, we need a stronger ending, mm-hmm. man. These things end really awful. Esther. Hello, listener. Tobro here. Before we end, I'd like to give a special shout-out to Bai Al-Kindi. Bai Al-Kindi are purveyors of fine self-care products. They offer a range of cold-pressed organic beard oils, which are bottled here in the UK. As a Bai Al-Kindi customer myself, I can tell you that you'll leave your beard feeling soft, moisturized, and lightly fragrance. So find them on Instagram at Bai Al-Kindi. That's B-Y-A-L-K-I-N-D-I. All one word. Bye, Al-Kindi.